Friends podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Singer. I'm a Christian writer and blogger living in the beautiful state of Alaska. I'm also a trauma survivor and a mental health advocate. I've been through some tough things in my life, and I'm sure you have too. Grace Moments is about helping you hold on to belief in your darkest hours, embrace hope by knowing your suffering is never wasted, and be inspired by the stories of others who have survived their own tragedy. Life, however difficult, can be a meaningful journey, and I'm here to walk it with you. So let's do this together. In 1982, a boy was born to Serbian immigrants in Australia, but he wasn't born like other babies. A rare genetic flaw had caused him to be born with no arms and legs and only two little feet with a couple big toes. His parents were shocked. They wondered how on earth their son could live anything close to a normal life. As the years went on and that boy got older, he began to wonder the same thing, and he began to be aware of the shame and stigma that came from not being like all the other kids. He grew increasingly more depressed as he would pray and ask God to perform a miracle and magically give him arms and legs, only to never see that prayer come true. The fact that both of his siblings were completely normal seemed to drive home the fact that God somehow didn't listen to him or care about healing him. Even though his parents had long resigned themselves to whatever plan God had for their son's life, the boy just couldn't get past the bullying, couldn't get past the unanswered prayers, couldn't get past the doubts and the fears. So, at the age of eight, he decided to attempt suicide and tried to drown himself in the bathtub. The suicide attempt mercifully failed, but the young boy still had yet to accept his difference and the fact that God might not answer him in the way he had hoped. Many years later, God revealed a great truth to the young man that changed his life. Maybe he might not receive the miracle he prayed for, but instead God would use him to be a miracle for someone else. He has since gone on to become a motivational speaker and evangelist, preaching the gospel and a message of love to millions of people around the world. He has started a ministry for people with disabilities like himself and has proven that anybody can learn to adapt to their circumstances with faith and hope. He is also a best-selling author. He's now in his late 30s, married to the love of his life and the father to four children. His name is Nick Vojcic. Nick's story, while unique, isn't all that unlike ours. While his circumstances were different, we've all shared the same struggle he did of feeling as though we've been denied a miracle we greatly hoped and prayed for, of being declined a request for change in our circumstances that we thought we needed or desired in order to live the life we wanted. Perhaps it was physical healing like in Nick's case. Maybe it was regarding our future spouse. Maybe it was financial relief or the ability to have children. Whatever the situation, we've pleaded with God for a particular outcome, but it hasn't come, and we've allowed the seeming denial of God to erode our belief, to cause us to doubt His love and goodness simply because He said no. How can we accept the harsh truth that there is such a thing as a divine no in our lives? And how can we learn to put our faith in the unchanging reality that God's best doesn't always appear how we expect? We're going to talk about that today, so let's get started. I'll be honest, it's hard when God says no, especially when you feel like the answer should be so obvious. I asked God for this and I want it so badly. This should be the obvious outcome. But instead you either receive the silence of heaven about your request or you get a clear no and have to sit with the devastating disappointment of the apparent result. 
It's so hard to feel like you've been denied something you desired so much. Having to shift your perspective and picture a different outcome than the one you imagined for so long is painful. It really is. I've been there several times in my life. You would think faith would be easy because we know that God works all things for our good. We know that his plans are always better than ours. We talk about these things, but when it comes down to the Isaacs in our lives that we need to be willing to sacrifice and lay down in order to obey God and accept his decisions, it suddenly becomes a lot tougher to say yes to God and keep trusting him. When it seems as though his answer or direction comes contrary to what you've thought or wanted, faith isn't so easy anymore. It takes a lot of grace-given bravery to keep hope alive and trust that the result God sees is far more glorious than the one you see and have felt you needed or wanted for so long. It takes a lot of courage to give up the dreams or plans you held so dear and believe in an outcome that's equally as beautiful, if not more so, than the one you originally desired. It's learning to accept the if-not in each of our life stories, because we'll all likely have a few of them along the way. This phrase, if not, has come to mean a lot to me when I've been up against things in my life that were difficult to accept, decisions and outcomes that went a different direction than what I expected or hoped for or thought I needed. A friend brought it to my attention several years back as she shared with me her story of learning to accept her singleness. She had wanted more than anything to be married and have a family, and now found herself in her later 30s with still no sign of a husband. She began to wonder if her desire would ever come true. She had just gone through a difficult breakup and had to face the reality that marriage just might not be in her future. In her desire to give this over to the Lord as she had time and time again for so many years, she took comfort in the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they boldly stood before King Nebuchadnezzar and declared that they were willing to face the fiery furnace rather than deny their God and bow before the king's statue. As they were brought before the king to explain themselves, I can only imagine what they felt. Picture the entire expanse of people bowing their faces before the likeness of the king, and only three lone young men are left standing. That's real faith right there. When the king inquired why they refused to bow, they simply said to him, We have no need to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods. But if not... Those young men trusted God would care for them, but they also allowed for the potential of being martyrs for their faith. While they had faith God could deliver them, they also gave room for him to do something different if he so chose, and if it required their lives, they were willing to sacrifice those too. Now, of course, my friend's situation wasn't one of life and death, but it was still a tremendous sacrifice she needed to be willing to make if God didn't have marriage in her future. So she had a little ring engraved that she wore in her hand that simply read, if not. It was a reminder to her that she needed to be willing to accept a different result from God than maybe the one she was hoping for. Several months after this, God did grant her the desire of her heart and sent her a wonderful man to whom she has now been married for several years and has three precious children. But I've always admired and remembered her willingness to be denied what she prayed for and wanted the most, if that was what God deemed best. Since she shared with me this story several years ago, I've returned to that phrase of if not more than once when I was having trouble letting go of my desires regarding certain results I'd hoped and prayed for in my life. Probably the greatest struggle I had along these lines was my struggle to accept the presence of my depression. Back in 2007, my dad became deathly ill and had to be hospitalized for three and a half months. 
During that time, I almost lost him three times due to the severity of his situation. The details of this season in my life are likely for another episode, but suffice it to say the trauma of what transpired during that time, coupled with many more health scares with my dad and many other deeply traumatizing losses and situations in the years that followed, plunged me into these periods of darkness that I could not seem to shake. I would go through cycles of intense inner pain where my faith would be shaken to the core, and I would lose any sense of peace in my life whatsoever. I would be sometimes unable to function well in many areas of my life because this new companion had come to live with me that I truly wanted to be rid of. I felt like I was constantly living in an emotional and mental fog. I just longed for and prayed for a day when I would no longer feel or experience the dark nights of the soul that had become my norm. I began to be frustrated and to resent God for not removing this strange friend from my life. I felt I could not move on with my life unless my depression left me. But somehow God seemed to not grant my request and chose to keep leaving it there. I fought it and fought it, and this went on for several years. But then, a few years ago, everything changed when I began to apply the if-not to my situation, and the passage that truly transformed me and the way I was looking at my situation was 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10. The Apostle Paul opens up about a certain unnamed aggravation in his life that he desperately wanted to be rid of. Three times he asked God to take it away from him, pleaded for its riddance, thinking he could be so much more effective for God without it. He then gives us an insight into his candid conversation with God about the situation and what God's answer turned out to be. Starting in verse 9, Paul writes, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Even for as diligently as Paul prayed for the removal of his so-called thorn in the flesh, God's answer wasn't to take it away from Paul, but rather to give Paul the grace to endure and bear it. To our knowledge, he ended up having to live with that unnamed situation the rest of his life. But his response upon receiving God's answer was to welcome that weakness and all it had to show him, provided that God was glorified in the outcome. He had to learn to live with the if-not in his life, and he certainly isn't the only one in Scripture to model that for us. Abraham and Sarah had to live with the if-not of maybe never having children. Daniel had to live with the if-not of maybe not surviving the lion's den. Joseph had to live with the if-not of maybe ever giving out of jail and never seeing his family again. Christ had to face the if-not of not being able to avoid the cross. But in all these situations, God gave grace to these individuals to accept that possibility and be okay with it, to somehow be able to thank God for not answering their prayers the way they wanted it, to be prepared that his outcome might look different than what they'd originally hoped. Some time ago, I read a wonderful story about a lady who had long struggled with some deep insecurities and sins that she just couldn't seem to get past in her life. Added to some physical issues, it was just overwhelming to her all the time. And boy, did she pray for victory and breakthrough. She wanted to get to a certain place in her life where these things didn't affect her so much. She wanted to overcome these areas of her life and pleaded with God for help. But on and on the struggle went with seemingly no positive results. In her book, Extravagant Grace, she tells a powerful story of something a counselor told her that changed her life and the way she viewed her struggles. 
The day she showed up at this particular counselor's home, the lady had just had one of those days when all her struggles seemed to laugh and shout in her face. She came to her first appointment angry, defeated, and discouraged. Why didn't God seem to do anything about these things in her life? She sat and poured out her heart to the counselor, who listened compassionately and took a few notes along the way. Toward the end of their session, the counselor looked into the lady's eyes and simply said, God is going to pour his grace into you. He will either give you grace to change and to grow in these two areas of great struggle with sin, or he will give you the grace to stay the same and survive your failure. For the first time ever, the lady was met with the possibility that God could intentionally be leaving her weaknesses and choosing not to remove them. As contrary as it seemed to all she had been taught about the Christian faith, it also seemed to line up with passages like 2 Corinthians 12, where God's answer didn't come as expected, where God never took away the struggle or the unwelcome weakness in somebody's life, where God never gave them their desired outcome as they prayed for, but instead simply gave them grace to bear the situation and befriend it grace to live with the no. How else would you explain how God could work so mightily through somebody like Nick born with no arms and legs? If God had answered his prayer the way he'd hoped, maybe Nick would never have reached people in the world the way he has. His physical appearance is the key to his testimony. It's the opening through which God speaks. Had God removed that and somehow miraculously given Nick arms and legs, millions of people would not have experienced Jesus through him as they so powerfully have. I've had to be honest with myself about this in my own life. As I began to apply the 2 Corinthians passage to my own prayers for deliverance from depression, I began to ask myself what my life would look like without it. If I didn't struggle with these dark seasons on a semi-regular basis, would I be doing the things I'm doing, or would I care about the things I care about in the way I do? Quite frankly, I don't think so. Even for as much as I prayed to be free of this companion I didn't ask for, Maybe this was my if-not story. And that's when things began to change. I started to learn how to be okay when the darkness came, because I knew that meant God could use me in even greater ways. The discoveries I make in my bouts of depression are seed for what I write about, talk about, think about. They are the foundation for my message of hope. Take away the darkness and I lose the very essence of what I'm here to communicate. So I had a bracelet made for myself and I began to wear it all the time. Inside, I have it engraved with the reference, 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10. On the outside, it simply says, strength in weakness. It's my reminder that God sometimes says no in order to give you an even greater yes. In his book, The North Face of God, author Ken Geyer quotes a fascinating story that really struck me in connection with today's topic. It's an excerpt from a scene in Thornton Wilder's play, The Angel That Troubled the Waters, a dramatization of the healings that took place at the Pool of Bethesda, as referenced in John 5, 2-3, where Jesus heals the paralytic man. As mentioned in the biblical story, it was believed that at certain times an angel would come to stir the waters of the pool, and the first person to get into the pool after the disturbance would be healed of whatever disease he or she had. Wilder brings this setting to life as he begins to tell about an imaginary conversation that took place at this pool. I'll let Geyer relate the rest of the story in his words. The play opens with a tatter of humanity fringing the pool, knotted in their own misery, waiting for the angel. It has been a long wait. It is night, and everyone around the pool is asleep. Suddenly an angel with shimmering wings appears at the top of the steps, robed in a regal gown. 
As the angel descends the steps, the pool trembles in anticipation. Meanwhile, a newcomer who is a physician has come to the pool with a deep and abiding wound of his own. Although he cannot see the angel standing there, he quietly prays for the angel to stir the water so he can find release from his pain. Meanwhile, one of the invalids wakes from a dream of the angel troubling the water and throws himself into the pool. The commotion startles the others, who hurl a volley of hateful words at him for waking them. Dripping wet, the invalid sees the newcomer standing next to him. He chastises the physician for coming to the pool, telling him to go back to his work and leave miracles to those who need them. The newcomer ignores the man and continues his prayer, pleading for healing so he can be a more effective physician. Oblivious to the presence of the angel, who moves to the lowest step, the invalid talks to himself. As he does, the angel points his finger to the water, almost touching it. The angel then shows himself, but only to the newcomer. Draw back, physician. This moment is not for you, the angel says. Angelic visitor, I pray thee, listen to my prayer. Healing is not for you. The physician tells the angel how much better he could serve if only he were released from the physical bondage that weighs him down. The angel tells the physician that he must leave, but the man can't bear the thought of being so close to his healing and it being withheld from him. The angel stands a moment in silence, as if picking his words carefully. Without your wound, where would your power be? He asks at last. It is your very remorse that makes your low voice tremble into the hearts of men. The very angels themselves cannot persuade the wretched and blundering children on earth as can one human being broken on the wheels of living. In love's service, only the wounded soldiers can serve. Draw back. The angel kneels, running his finger through the water, causing it to ripple. A divine wind swells the ripples and splashes them up upon the steps. The invalid sees this and throws himself into the pool. Again, the commotion wakes the others, but this time as the man leaps to the steps, they see that he has been healed. Those around the pool spring to their feet and pandemonium breaks out. Still invisible to the others, the angel pauses a moment to smile at the celebration and then leaves. Geyer adds, It is a troubling thought, but a heavenly one, that the greater effectiveness of our lives may not come through our wholeness, but through our woundedness. If that is true, perhaps we should draw back from the pool as Paul did, and let the angel's words ripple through us in ever greater circles of understanding. Without your wound, where would your power be? The very angels themselves cannot persuade the wretched and blundering children on earth, as can one human being broken on the wheels of living. In love's service, only the wounded soldiers can serve. The angel gave the physician in this story a divine no, because the physician's effectiveness lay in his unanswered prayer. As much as he pleaded, it was not going to change the outcome. God was not going to give him what he wanted. He was not going to change the man's circumstances, but was rather going to use the circumstances to change the man. And in order for that to happen, he had to learn to accept the if not in his life. We often think we see and conclude correctly based on situations in our lives what we ought to pray for, but the truth is we are poor judges most of the time of what God is really up to, and when His ways contradict the things we thought we knew, we get upset at Him and begin to doubt if He truly has our good in mind. What God is really after is us being able to look honestly at both possible results in the situations we pray for and seek Him about. He may graciously give us the outcome we so earnestly seek, or he may give us one entirely different. Seeing us pleading in prayer and holding on to his promises pleases the Lord. 
Seeing us faithfully trust him brings him pleasure, regardless of the result. He wants us to pour out our desires before him and petition him for those things we are desperate for. But that doesn't always mean he'll give us what we've asked for just because we've been so persistent in requesting it of him. Sometimes we are asked to draw back and let him grant someone else a miracle instead. But in so doing, perhaps we become like Nick, and our lack of a miracle becomes part of one for someone else. I don't know what it is that you're maybe diligently seeking God about, but I pray that you'll be given the grace to allow God room to move in your life as he pleases, even leaving open the option that he may not grant you what you are wanting. But I also leave you with the words that counselor said to the lady, and I hope you'll lay hold of this truth for your own life. God is going to pour his grace into you. He will either give you grace to change and to grow, or he will give you the grace to stay the same. God will give you the grace to accept whatever answer he gives you. He will allow you to see him at work either in the affirming of what you prayed for or the denial of it. And if you must face an if-not moment of your own, just know that his divine no is only because he has a bigger plan in mind. It's not that your request was never heard or that God doesn't care about you anymore or that it is reason to cease praying because it doesn't change anything. Instead, it is a call to deeper faith, as now you must look for God to answer in a different way. Someday in heaven, all will make sense. God will lay out our life stories, and with a renewed mind, we will understand everything that he was trying to do all along, and will agree completely with him. But until then, we see through clouded minds all the workings of God, and find it hard to accept when it seems his best isn't the logical answer to what we've asked. But take heart, friend. The if-nots in your life do not go unnoticed by God. The sacrifices you must make on the altar of devotion to Him are merely the purifying of your faith and the proof of your obedience. So let us with Paul not only accept but embrace those if-nots with courageous trust. Let us believe in a greater story yet to be revealed, even as our hearts hurt at the disappointment of being denied our outcome. God's result won't always appear as we've expected, so let's keep our eyes our hearts and our hands open to receive whatever he decides to give and find a way to bless him, even when he decides to withhold. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast as well as leave a review. If you want to read additional content, please visit and subscribe to my blog at www.graceopens.blogspot.com. You can also connect with me on social media via Twitter at Open to Grace 2015, Instagram and Parlor at Open to Grace Alaska, and on MeWe under my name, Katherine Singer. I'll see you in the next episode, and remember, Grace will always meet you where you are. Music